going on, Jordan? Hey, Mike. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday, indeed. You feeling happy on this happy Sunday? <laughs> oh, I'm feeling so happy. So happy. Especially now that I've had coffee. You know how I do. Oh, bro. I feel like you always get it when it's ramping up. So you have this advantage over me because it's it's earlier in your day. <laughs> right. I feel like I start at like a three out of ten and then I'm like I'm ending at like a eleven out of ten because then right, it's just right, right. like full mainline caffeine. Yeah. If we recorded three hours earlier, I think I'd be on it. Three hours earlier. Okay. Well, well that's if we compensated for the time zone. Yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. that's exactly where I'm at, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh how you doing? How was your weekend? What are you up to? More uh, uh, planting and stuff. Yeah, nothing exciting. Just manual labor. I'm, I'm like the boring guy. Manual <laughs> if you want to hear about the boring guy's life, <laughs> come do manual labor with Mike. I'm gonna start a YouTube channel where you just watch me dig holes all fucking day. Oh yeah, yes, sure. I've been People doing would that. Watch the shit out of that. <laughs> Definitely. So exciting. You ever seen that YouTube channel where it's like these guys? I don't know where it is. Somewhere like in the jungle, and they dig mm-hmm. these like crazy pits and turn them into like little like huts yeah swimming pools and stuff it's pretty fascinating those guys have accomplished more in one episode (laughs) than i think i've accomplished in in any any form of labor my whole life combined i don't yeah (laughs) i always look at them though and i'm like i feel like the first time they get like a serious rain that whole thing is just destroyed but i don't know i mean it was fun to watch they put water in them they have like pools and stuff maybe it's a different earth material that they're using that they're carving yeah whatever like dirt clay shit that they're digging through that can like retain the shape like that but still Mm -hmm. hold water and i mean it's that's pretty cool i'm just gonna move there and dig a hole and like live for free it sounds dope get some i want to find in there i want to meet the guy that's exploiting them by making them do (laughs) youtube videos for their gain right just based on their skill set and their tools uh my assumption is that they're they're not too savvy with with uh the the youtubes or the computers you don't think they just decided to uh, start a youtube channel in the middle of the amazon or whatever i i don't think so (laughs) i I would assume that people that are that proficient at those specific tools that they're using probably are proficient with those tools because they don't have access to more advanced ones (laughs) we'll have to do an expose on uh yeah, the Who, that. Doing, yeah, there'll be like a Tiger King documentary about this whole thing. <laughs> I forget what it's called. It's like, what is it called, man? Like something man, like uh, that's one of the ultimate, jungle like, mansions or something like that. Isn't that so, what it's called? Something like that. Yeah, it's one of those ones where it's like I have no idea how I first found it, but I've watched like hours of their videos. Oh yeah, for sure. And that one, and I like watching the one. Uh, what is it like? Steve's MRE nineteen eighty nine. The dude who like does MRE tasting videos. So like military MREs, like meals ready to yeah, eat. Yeah, meals ready to eat. This guy will like buy vintage ones, like like way vintage ones from like World War One and shit that are still sealed, and he'll like bust it open and then taste like powdered beef from you know like nineteen twenty or some shit. And he'll like talk through it and explain like how they're packaged and all the stuff and like the flavor profile. <laughs> like it's and just seeing kind of how stuff was packaged back then for troops. It's pretty fascinating shit. So that I probably watched 15 hours of stuff from this guy. <laughs> it's yeah. If you want to go down a rabbit hole, I recommend it highly. I've had one of those to eat before. This was probably like, let's see, let's do some maths here. Maybe like 25 years ago. 
um, I had a, a cousin that was in the Marines at the time, and he brought some back. Is like, here, check this out. Like, is They're this not good. Give to me. Well, I had beef stew, and for my like ten year old taste bud sophistication, it was all right. <laughs> but I think it was more the excitement of being able to pour. <laughs> water into this bag and then there's some chemical in it that like heats it up it felt i don't know it felt uh cool. i don't think i did it i don't think i had one with a heating element but i've had a few my cousin was in the air force and he brought some back if i recall correctly and it was like a rice like in meat sort of stew situation as well and i remember i ate i took it on a road trip so i could like eat it in the car and it was like i mean it was edible it's fine but i wouldn't say it was something that i'd go out of my way to eat yeah i'm probably not gonna you know stockpile or like listen to this guy watch this guy's <laughs> episodes and then seek the well some of them these. now they're pretty elaborate like they're this was again that was probably same as you was probably like 20 25 years ago that i had it but now they're like they're like decadent some of them the more modern ones <laughs> it's like it's surprising there's like uh regional foods for the area you're in oh you guys will no. be visiting this area we found the top well no, well, no <laughs> but i mean the uh like the different militaries like international mm. you know like having i mean it's not like the Japanese military doesn't have like fucking, you know, Toro roll and shit like, but you know, they've got a different cuisine that's more like focused on the shit that they have access to. And it's sure it's pretty interesting to watch. So next time you have like four hours to just sit and stare at a screen, I... that stuff has to find you. That's, that's how that, that section. Well, of now that works. I've mentioned a dude, they're listening and it's <laughs> of just course. pop up. They'll just so. direct it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what else? What else are you doing this weekend? Fix your car. That's good. It has the battery, thankfully. Thankfully. Praise. But then it's it's got me on the hunt for something else because something popped up nearby to keep that and then get another. Gotta gotta do it. Gotta buy it. Problems. <laughs> Problems with stupid car buying. Yeah, I'm looking at a bunch of parts for mine already. So that lasted three weeks, I think, before I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, it needs to be lowered. It needs wheels. It needs tires. I need to make it faster. So that's cool. It's a sickness. This was like um, back in the day. I remember when we all had motorcycles way back when. My cousin Bob and I, when we first got them, we were like, okay, we're just going to ride them. We're not going to do anything dangerous. I'm not even kidding, man. It was like four the hours week, after you're standing on them. the seat. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like we broke our pack really quickly, you know? And that's kind of like car buying. Like I'm, I'm done. I just want this one more car or this one more part for this car. And then, you know, endless. It's like, it's like drug addict behavior. So the way I look at it is like, it could be a lot worse. We could be just, this could be the justification that we're using to like smoke crack or something. If I'm just buying parts for a damn car, you know, it's not really hurting. Yeah. I'm always trying to figure out when I'm doing this, like, what am I really, what am I avoiding? (laughs) Like, why am I so compulsive with the the parts buying or car shopping that, you know, there's gotta be something bothering me someplace else. It's always the case. No, man. This time, it's going to be different. It's going to make right. you happy. Just like for that sure. one last hit is going to just give <laughs> you sure. absolute euphoria. Definitely. And it's going to be different Definitely. than all the other hits before that. Uh, well, take a quick detour. Thank everybody for subscribing. I remember this time. Thank uh, you. If you want people, to, uh, not Jordan. People, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Thank too. You. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in or whatever you say for people who download podcasts on Sundays <laughs> when we drop new episodes. Uh, if you want to shoot us a note about potential topic to talk about, if you have questions, if we said something that offended you, uh, you know, 
anything, shoot us an email, inhumanpod at gmail.com or social media, inhumanpod at inhumanpod. Cool. Um, anything else before we dive into it? I got nothing. I'm boring. I'll probably be digging holes next week too, so you can count on that. <laughs> I think you can count on that. <laughs> yeah. You should just start filming it, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Everybody's stuck inside. They might find it therapeutic to watch you dig holes. Right, right. All right, well, speaking of digging holes, I don't sure. have a segue. But <laughs> so I don't I don't know what specifically brought this up, but I think we were talking about, well, obviously your profession. And I, I was just kind of curious. At some point I was thinking about like humans and why we need or want or like have this ongoing like dialogue with others. And I guess in, in like the professional sense that's taken the form of like psychotherapy and shit, but just generally, like, I feel like as humans, we need to talk to other people and work through our problems. We need, we have this need for like getting an outside perspective to help our way through life in a way that, you know, obviously like animals don't even have that rope, that option. <laughs> they can't communicate with that level of complexity, but I feel like we, you know, whether it's, I go to you and you, we talk through my, my problems or my thought process or whatever professionally, or whether that's just like using friends as a sounding board or whatever, you know, having a mentor, et cetera, et cetera. But like that, it seems like that's something that's just inherent to human nature. And I, I wanted to talk about, why that is um and maybe more like clinically from your perspective and then also just like i guess the scientific reasons behind that because i'm interested in the subject sure so obviously i come from or maybe not obviously if you're first listening uh a psychology background i work as a psychotherapist um so i will have my own um like anecdotal experiences that you know, give some insights, but then also going through the academic world and the training world. Um, yeah, there will be some things that are related to research or academics, but, um, I think it's, this is a tricky one because psychology is, is, is kind of a tricky field in general where, um, it's, it's tough because, trying to take the complexities out of the human psychology um, sometimes can minimize it when you're looking at things like research. So sometimes you have to rely on theory. Sometimes you rely on anecdote and sometimes you can look at research to the extent that the research can measure, you know, what exists. So I just wanted to make that, I guess, disclaimer, you know, while we're getting into this, um, just because it's kind of difficult to have hard answers on this one. So I'm going to give you what I know from books, I guess, <laughs> and what I know from uh, anecdotal experience in, in clinical application. And then my own thought, you know, my own thoughts from existing in the world. The lawyers tell me that that was a sufficient disclaimer. <laughs> it had nothing to do with that. <laughs> it, it, it had more so to do with, um, honestly, it, it's a, and maybe I'm, you know, obviously I'm biased here, but it, it's a rich subject. And I think, I'd like to encourage people to maybe look at it from all facets and um, look at it from all facets and, and dive into it. So if you listen to parts of this, um, dabble with theory if you're interested, dabble with uh, clinical anecdotal things, dabble with research. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting field for me. 
Um, yeah. your, I'm, I'm curious, your interest is in this topic is, is it specifically psychotherapy or is it, is it why humans need that t- type of um, both? I mean, I, I feel like the former kind of as a okay. result of the latter, right? I mean, I think sure. that, so I guess from my perspective, it just strikes me, I guess looking inward, you know, it's, it's common for me to go to other people for advice. Right. And, and I see that and to varying degrees, you know, you, you ask people for their opinion and when you get feedback on it, sometimes you're receptive to it and you're like, Oh wow, I never thought of that. Other times you're defensive to it. It's like, Oh, that's counter to what I kind of had in mind. And so therefore I, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I feel challenged by your feedback or, um, you know, maybe somebody crafts a different opinion for you and you kind of pick that up and, and, like harbor it as like your own conclusion and it starts to like create a new viewpoint for you. And so it just strikes me that, you know, we're always, or at least I'm always kind of talking to people, like taking in information from different sources and different viewpoints and like using that to inform kind of like where I line, where I end up. And it obviously that's not unique to me to some extent, I mean, that's, that's kind of part of what you do, right? Is like, I, I'm going to come in your office. I'm going to talk through whatever, maybe, maybe it's something trivial, maybe it's something earth shattering, but talk about my life and whether it's just the act of you listening and, uh, kind of being a neutral third party or whether that's, you know, me saying like, Hey, I just put all my cards on the table. I want you to kind of tell me if you have an idea of maybe what it is really that's causing this collision mm-hmm. in my life for causing this this barrier that I can't break through or whatever you you know I get where they just just the outside perspective can help with that mm-hmm. but I'm also curious why we need that right why you know why why is it hard for us to just take the step back and see the forest for the trees ourselves um given how like developed the human brain is just generally that seems to be like a gap that we've I, that's just kind of innate right yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm trying to think of how to break that into maybe different paths to explain some things that came up. As Just to explain human about. psychology in five <laughs> sentences or less. All right. Well, there, there's a part of, of what you're talking about, right? Where, yeah, sure. We're developed cognitively. We're, I don't know, I guess we don't know anything else that's advanced. So we feel like we're pretty advanced compared to the other species that, that are around us. Um, so we've kind of, in my opinion, have had an over-dependence on cognition over uh, like emotion and instinct. Um, and much of the world we exist in is kind of um, an evolution now of our manifestations of cognition versus any sort of evolution of our instincts or our, or our emotions. So that might sound too heady or whatever, but... Um, we don't feel as much as we think. And a lot of the stuff that we're interacting with is think stuff instead of feel stuff. So I feel like um, we're really not that different than we've been, um, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of years ago. Uh, We just, our thought has evolved. So therefore, the stuff that we have around us has evolved, which may make people feel like we've changed a lot. But uh, at the core level, at the let's say like primitive level at the instinctual level, we're all still 
pursuing the same sort of drives. I think in the last, you know, like the last episode, I was joking about how regardless of how evolved we think we are, right? Like in regards to the rockets, we're still just trying to build like a bigger stick, which is like getting to the core of fighting stuff or, you know, potency stuff or whatever the hell it is. But so if you take just curb cognition for one second, like thought for one second, um, the way that we develop is through relationships and there are critical periods in our development where if there are, if there's a lack of relationship and it's not, it it, it may seem obvious or to some people, they may think that there's an obvious answer, which it's not. And they may think that the obvious answer is, well, the relationships are teaching you things like giving you things to think about or, or teaching you mathematical, mechanical type stuff. Right. Uh, that's part of it, but that's later on in development and earlier developmental stages. It's more just relational gratifications that are happening, like basic things like, do I, you know, can this person feed me? Do I know how to communicate to them that I need to be fed? Does that person know how to respond to me? Um, you know, do I form trust from that? How do I learn my earliest autonomy? You know, um, I, I learned my separation from them. I learned potty training. I learned, so there are all these neurological connections that are happening that then enforce behavior, but the neurological connections are happening because of a relationship. Literally, th- that's it. Like just relating to someone. Um, so even if the person never gave you any sort of information or like any sort of technical, ah, technological, advancements or whatever you want to call it you would be developing during these critical periods and, and if you had the absence of a relationship or an inconsistent type of relationship um, it can really close the door on some of these critical periods it leaves like a, a long deficit so all of that wordy explanation for um, we need relationships to exist and, and to develop and I think overall we're so impressed with our fucking tablets and touchscreens and all this bullshit that um we're missing the (laughs) like these things don't they don't do anything for for development this is like these are things that are essential to you know whatever occupy our time in in my opinion after we've we've developed um so are you saying that i mean in the way that like animals have sort of that same relationship with you know their parents and other animals that i mean obviously there's there's that there isn't that layer of communication like we have but they have you know somebody's i don't know if somebody's the right term another animal is taking care of them and bringing them food and showing them how to hunt and and so in that regard they do have that similar type of connection it's just that we've also our our thought process has gotten a lot more complex in the way that we the base instincts that we need to sort of satisfy now are more complex. And so rather than just having that physical relationship as much now, it's, it's about talking through things and understanding the world as, as it has become so complicated. I guess, let me, let me ask you what you mean by the physical relationships that have become more complex. What, what well, you, cause you were talking about how like, you know, to some extent, like when you're a child, your parents are sort of providing you food and resource and showing you basic things and whether or not that's a, whether or not that's like direct teaching and a communication relationship or whether it's like here this is your food you know here this is how you 
like go to the bathroom here, here, here mm-hmm. uh, versus. It's not even so much the procedure of that. See, like that's the, that's kind of our cognitive parts taken over where we're thinking versus um, it. Do I, do I feel confident to do that? Do I feel confident in, in earning a meal? Do I feel safe in earning, you know, um, asking for a meal? Do I feel safe in taking my first steps? Did I feel overshamed mechanically when you're looking at it? It's, you know, it's, it's not that spectacular, right? Like that, those, you know, those sort of mechanical pieces are maybe um, overemphasized, let's say, to their significance, but it's more the emotional um experience that accompanies them that is really creating a lot of the development hmm. so maybe 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 it's easier to take a step back and kind of look at the people i'm interested the people that you most often talk to if there's any sort of correlation in like their their background right so I, for example i don't I, I as i mentioned i talk to a lot of people and i like to get feedback on things you know to make decisions in my life like i i value the the outside viewpoint um to try to give me perspective and i mean i don't think that again i don't think that's a unique thing but i don't i don't go to a professional anymore i have in the past right i've talked to a therapist in the past um particularly in childhood um but i you know it's not something i do currently so i'm curious like for the people that you do talk to if there's any sort of Mm -hmm. common denominator you know Obviously, not everybody's going to be the same, but if you see something that is kind of an emer- like a theme that emerges in most people, where it's something that happened to them in childhood or adulthood, or some sort of common theme, where it's like they don't have that friend, family, sounding board in their life, like is there something that you can point to and say like these are the people that most often need that, and why is that? Yeah. So. That's a that's a tough one to. Uh, I'll try to make it concise. <laughs> um, the common thread. This is going to sound very general, and I'm sorry, but this is the common thread. The common thread is while going through these developmental periods, um, sometimes we get stuck or hung up based on how successful or unsuccessful we were during those developmental periods, based on the relationships we had around them. Did the relationships that we had around them help us to um, be successful in those developmental periods where we felt confident, uh, where we felt protected, where we felt like we had agency and autonomy. So as you're going through the different developmental stages, the one beneath it, you know, it's like a house foundation. Like it's like Jenga. If the, if the, you know, the foundational block is shaky, the blocks above that one will be shaky and further and further on that, you know, when you get to the higher level blocks, right there, there seem, they seem to be more unstable. So in psychotherapy, when you're, or at least in the way that I practice, there's different theories to, you know, psychotherapy, but at least in the ways that I practice, it's trying to find out a history for them to see, you know, like what their Jenga tower looks like, right? Or like what their foundation looks like and what everything built on top of the foundation looks like to see why they're hitting a ceiling currently, right? Because, um if you trace back, there may be an area in their development, let's say, where there is something that, you know, they're stuck on, right? Or they, they didn't get beyond and not in some sort of obvious way, like, oh, they didn't mourn a thing, you know, they didn't mourn this loss or, you know, they, they were traumatized in that way and they, they haven't dealt with it. But more so, there's a piece in their personality, perhaps, that hasn't um, 
developed far enough for the for the stage that they're in. So let's say I don't know they're fifty, and you know they were fine until thirty. I'm I'm being very basic here, and then from thirty to fifty they were just moving slowly, and you know they're stuck. So they were doing great up until thirty, but then you know thirty plus required some different demands from them. And those different demands were things that maybe they never in earlier stages or like learned, let's say, how to um, overcome or learned how to use in more adaptive means. So they've just hit a ceiling and have been stuck there for a really long time. And it, it's, man, when I say this, it's, it's always, it, well, it's almost always relationship related. Almost always relationship related. Like, uh, Opposed to like a trauma, like a, like a, you know, I, this person got into a car accident and they're stuck there and they, you know, they're traumatized. When you mean, rela- you, when you say relationship, do you just mean any sort of personal relationship, whether it's with their, you know, parents, their caretakers, their, okay. yeah. mm-hmm. um, their caretakers, their siblings, you know, um, their that's peers. interesting. And it's midlife more often than it is childhood. You're saying, well, during childhood, I think that when someone's you know, like maladaptive in the clinical term, you know, when someone's having issue, you just kind of write it off as like, oh, they're children. They're going through phases. It's not like you're on a... No, but I mean, uh, when you're talking to an adult now, my assumption was most, to your point of the Jenga analogy, I assume that most Mm -hmm. problems that emerge, you know, in the foundational elements like come from childhood, not so much as like the 30, the uh, I'm 50 and I had something happen with a personal relationship when I was 30. Right, Um, right, right, right. But you're it's saying things that were involved in, in shaping their personalities, right? So hmm. if 50 year old guy comes to me, he's hitting a wall, he's having difficulty in his marriage or with his kids or whatever, or in his business or, you know, in, in the, in the company that he works for, um, you can almost always, always trace it back to the way that he, you know, the operating system that he developed for relationships at an early stage, that operating system has now become obsolete in later stages. So there has to be, let's say, like an update to the operating system or like a, a corrective, you know, experience, let's say, a, collect, a corrective <clears throat> relational experience along with insight. Sometimes insight will do it. But other times there needs to be an emotional gratification that happens for perhaps some of those areas where the, where the person may be stuck with that old operating system. Yeah, it strikes me that that, I mean, the further back you go, it seems like that that's more significant to try to identify for one and to correct right it's like a firmware update where to your Mm -hmm. your analogy where you know if i i'm trying to think of like an example maybe an oversimplified one but you know you're you were raised by like workaholic parents or something and you would try to go ask them questions or whatever in childhood and they'd be like oh oh, one second i'm on the phone like they never had time for you and then perhaps you develop some sort of you know block against doing that with people and that manifests, you know, more broadly because then you never really feel like you can ask people for advice. And then suddenly you're 50 years old and you don't have a lot of the basic building blocks of life because you've never felt like that was an acceptable thing to do. Right. Um, going back, like identifying, that's a great example. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But honestly, I always felt good about asking questions. (laughs) Uh, no, but you know, and like suddenly, yeah, you're 50 years old and you're like, I think identifying that turning point is tough enough and then correcting mm-hmm. it. Like there are things that I know that I do that are irrational and I, I kind of can like point to things uh, that were the cause of that perhaps, but it doesn't change the fact that 
I still I still do it right it's still it's like built in um mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a reaction it's it's like an eight at this point mm-hmm. and it strikes me that it would be incredibly hard to like undo that you know it, sure seemingly something that could take years and it's like is it worth it and is it a problem I guess that's the other thing um yeah it, it, I mean in, in some ways too it's you know if it's reinforced so often um, you have neural pathways in your brain that are, you know, imagine in, um, it's like a road of information and the road is widening and widening the more often that you use it because like traffic keeps shipping down it. It's like, oh, we use this road all the time. So we have to make more and more lanes out of it. But, you know, we may have neglected these other roads. So they're just like one lane roads and they're deteriorating. So um, you may not even have choice in some of it, it's like, well, this is the only road that works right now. So I have to, t- I must take this road in the way that I interact in the world. So you can point out insight and say like, well, there's this other road over here. And, you know, that person might say, you know, might, might like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I understand that. But there's still all this neurological wiring that happens like instinct where like they're just directed down that wider road because it's the path of least resistance. So even if you gain some sort of crazy insight, we have to like, to oversimplify it but to just for the example build up this other part of your brain by like working through it and working through it and like kind of pushing you through it and pushing you through it so you know so you could like learn how to almost make that as instinct versus you know um use the old way that wasn't working out so well is i in in practice that makes perfect sense and i think like we all observe that is the the neural pathway thing is that theory or is there some way to prove that like do they know for sure that like through repetition you can create a new neural path like a, fi- a new physical well you know you know that if you look at someone that does like stereotyped activities like if you yeah yeah yeah. Look I mean, at- yeah i mean the psychological outcome of it is one thing but i mean the physical manifestation of neural pathways is like is that observable i'm just curious it has nothing to do yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. definitely that's fascinating definitely. i mean you we can't look at that it's always like post-mortem <laughs> You could see, like, you obviously, slice the brain know, open and watch right, the right, new right. road farming. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, neurons form and dendrites form in the areas that get reinforced more often. So your brain is, you know, plastic, right? To an extent, at earlier stages, you have a shit ton of neurons that you don't necessarily need, but they're like there for potential. And then over time, it's like you're kind of clipping, you're like pruning it in ways where uh, <coughs> you're using it more often. So like if you've pruned it already, it's like difficult to like create new sub- synaptic connections. This is getting too geeky perhaps, but it, it becomes more difficult, more difficult, whatever. It becomes more difficult later on to create these new sort of connections. But yeah, that's that's how that's how we learn. We're building more... Um, connection points or like if we do behaviors uh we're we're reinforcing behaviors but then there's also like a a neurological uh, consequence for from it too where like certain areas get reinforced and you know they may um what is it called man can't th- uh, the the word is escaping me but whatever let's pretend like it grows versus like it uh, you know in the other in the opposite side of growth it would shrink <laughs> like the areas that you don't use anymore would shrink let's say is there on the age spectrum, like, you know, it seems like we've talked about these foundational elements. We've talked about this 50 year old guy that had some sort of relationship, you know, turning point at 30 that maybe shaped who he became. And, and that seems from a, a layman's standpoint, uh, like an easier problem to correct if it's more recent, but from like a cognitive development perspective, like where, where are you most receptive to that change 
where and where does change kind of stop happening? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, the earlier the intervention, the the you know, like the the earlier you, the sooner you can change a trajectory. And when I say change a trajectory, also it perhaps gives the impression that there's a right way or a wrong way to do things, like a right absolute or a wrong absolute. And it, it, it's really not that way. It's just the good enough way for the for what that person is, let's say, like facing or what what they're experiencing. But um, the earlier the intervention typically, meaning the more recent the intervention to the time of, um, to the time of difficulty, I don't know if that's the right way to describe it, the, the, the better off it is because it's, it's, let's say it's, you're more malleable. It's not as reinforced. There haven't been like other blocks, let's say in the, using like the a bad analogy. habit, you know, where yeah, yeah you yeah, start yeah. doing something and correct it mm-hmm. immediately rather than having 30 years. I mean, that makes sense, but I guess, so when I think about just general cognitive development, right? It's like kids can pick up shit like instantly because they're still, they're still forming the foundational, like to teach a a kid a language. You know, if you're doing that Mm -hmm. at like four or five, they could be multilingual much easier than, you know, trying to do that to me right now. That's like obvious. Um, But I'm wondering on the grand scale, like when we start talking about having to seek this outside opinion and like correct for things that require kind of a software update or a firmware update, like, is there a point where you're no longer receptive to that? Like if I'm 60, 70, 80 years old, where, I mean, potentially where a cognitive decline also starts coming into the fold, like, is, is there a point you see where it's kind of like you've already become, your personality is fully formed and locked in and, and it's kind of a hopeless endeavor at that point? Yeah, I mean, there are, like I mentioned earlier, there are critical periods in like stage development. Like this is, you know, like, let's say to simplify it before adulthood, um, where you are, um, you know, going through various developmental stages and these are relational based. So the developmental stages are entirely based on the relationships around you. If you miss those periods, like when those doors close, it's very difficult to come back from them, let's say, right? Like it's kind of like, the the what is it like the the train left the station in some of these in some of these situations but overall um i don't know i I don't know that final like is there a is there a terminal period where we can't learn or can't change anymore I, i i feel like um personality does become pretty fixed however uh we we can become better at how we use our personalities because like just because you have your personality and i have my own personality which is influenced by everything that we've ever experienced doesn't mean that I'm using it the best the best way possible, right? So, um, you know, in the example, I let's say that guy hits the glass ceiling right at, at 50 or he, maybe he hit it at 30 and waited 20 years to try to work something out. Um, that doesn't mean that he's going to develop a new personality, let's say through psychotherapy or through using insight or through self-reflection. It's not that. It's like he can find a way where he can have um, better use of his, of his personality so that the compromises or the consequences work more in his favor versus, you know, obviously against his favor. Um, but I don't know of a, Mm. I personally, I mean, if it exists, I'm not aware of it, a a hard line of no, this, this piece can't change or to the extent of what someone can change. I don't, it's, it's a tough one for me at least. I don't know the answer. So you made mention of, you know, like this guy hits a ceiling and he comes to, to, talk to you or talk to, you know, professionals, for example, about breaking through that, you know, something happened to me. I can, I, I have enough introspection to understand that 
I'm I've hit this wall and I need to break through it to make progress. But like what, it, what from your perspective in anecdotally, I guess, what is that wall that they perceive and like why do they feel like it's a problem that they need to break through, right? You know, I think like a lot of what we're talking about is this is a subject of our environment and mm-hmm. no, like nine out of 10 times, it seems like it's not through no fault of your own, right? It's not like I opted to have some sort of traumatic experience or, or the sure. shitty circumstance that made me unable to, to have, you know, an intimate relationship with somebody or whatever it may be. But when they identify that, I guess thing, question one is how do they identify that? How, do, how most often, like, is there some sort of pivotal moment that people are like, aha, like I've recognized mm-hmm. that this is now a problem. And then the other thing is why, why do they most often see that as a problem and not just sort of as a, as an outcome, as a consequence of what's happened that isn't necessarily one that they need to correct? Sure. So, it uh, again, I'll try to simplify it. Yeah, so sorry. These are like people really that, broad no, no, no. questions. It's cool. It's cool. I mean, that's how, you know, that's how it begins, right, with a, with a broad question. Um, so there's there's people that you know by whatever they've experienced that develop their personality that may internalize things or may externalize things right and someone that's an internalizer like you're an example of an internalizer you take a lot of responsibility you may have a lot of guilt for stuff or like shame for stuff if you i don't know do the wrong thing or whatever the hell it is you are very critical in your own self-regulation so you perhaps may um criticize yourself to the point of saying like okay i need to go you know figure something i need to go find help or something like that right like you get to that point because you're experiencing and this is the other the other piece too but you're experiencing symptoms right i'm depressed or i'm angry or i'm nervous or whatever the hell it is right um but you'll experience those sort of symptoms and because you tend to you know like work through things internally um you may decide on your own some people their personalities are are oriented towards externalization. Um, They start to have symptoms. And then when you ask them why they have symptoms, you know, it's because, because my, you know, my boss is bad or because my wife is this way or because my kids are like that or because my, you know, they don't recognize their, their perspective in it. So they're more of externalizers. So they're, uh, they may come to want to talk to someone, not because it's, you know, they may want to blame everybody else. And like, yeah, I had to come here because, you know, I got fired from these jobs and um, I don't know, my wife suggested I come here and I don't want to be here. They need to be here. So it, it, it kind of, again, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but if you want to put it in broad, in broad terms, there's people that internalize and they take all of the responsibility, even if it's not theirs. And then there's people that externalize and they never take any of the responsibility and they dish it out to everybody else. And obviously the reality is there's different variations of that continuum, um, within a person, but yeah, those are the, either they feel so bad and they're having so many symptoms that they want to come or they feel so bad and they're having so many other symptoms that other people recognize it and they tell them to go there. Um, that those are the most, the, the most, um, consistent reasons. Do you have an easier time dealing with one versus the other? I mean, from the outside, it would seem like somebody who's kind of there on their own accord and receptive to the fact that there's a problem or or an issue that they want to kind of like dive into and talk through would be easier than the person who's like, I don't want to fucking be here. Somebody sent me here, like blah, 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 blah. But, um, you know, perhaps also because they externalize everything, maybe they're more influenced 
uh, influenceable to some extent as well. So I'm curious if one's easier than the other. So yeah, people that uh, so there's you know there's pros and cons. Let's say to working with each. There's certain things that are more satisfying in one group and less satisfying in the other group. So if you're an externalizer, surprisingly, it's, it's easier to form a relationship with an externalizer. Um, so it might be let's say. I don't know. Sometimes it might feel annoying because like you're, you're going to be getting blamed for things too, but that's kind of part of the process that you have to work through with them. Um, versus, you know, it, it may be more difficult for the externalizer to form insight, right. Or like use, let's say, I don't know, cognition or whatever. They're, they're going to have a harder time controlling impulses because they're emotional, 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 but because they're emotional, they're they're You can have relationships with them easier. Someone that's internalized, um, they may it may be very easy to have intellectual like insights with them or whatever, but it may be very difficult to connect with them. Um, so you feel disconnected while you're working with them. So like with people that um, are internalizers like that, it's kind of like I gotta you have to work them towards let's say being more related or being more connected. In an externalizer, you have to work them towards like being more logical or being you know like reducing impulse, let's say and. I guess, yeah, maybe that's the most, that's maybe the, in broad, maybe that's the best way to describe it. Uh, is, is externalizer and internal, like are those clinical terms or is this something that you're using to sort of generalize like the two general personality types? Yeah, they're clinical terms, but there's, here's the, the difficulty is psychology is a huge umbrella and within psychology, there are many schools of thought and many theories. And then with, even within psychotherapy, which is, you know, obviously uh, it's under the large umbrella of, psychoth- or of um, psychology, there's different terms. But to me, it all feels like everyone's speaking the same line. I don't know. It's like Apple or it's like Mac OS and Microsoft and pe- people fight about this. But yeah, they're clinical words. But in some other theories, they call them different things. Hmm. So I think those, those using those two are the most um, broadly understood ways of describing those. those and is it, is it something where you exist kind of on a spectrum, you know, from extreme externalization to extreme mm-hmm. internalization? Or yeah. is it almost like topic or category based where like I may internalize, you know, some, some things, but I externalize other, like I might be very introspective generally about you know, thing A and thing B, but when it comes to like uh, being criticized at work or something, perhaps I externalize that because I can't take that criticism. And so I'm going to blame it on somebody else or blame it on the circumstance. Um, Yeah, it's, it's mostly pretty generalized. It's kind of annoying, actually, when you get to know yourself, it's like, fuck, I do everything this way. (laughs) God damn. Like you'll have certain hot buttons, you know, that, you know, you may get a, I don't know, a stronger reaction out of, but mm. they're still thematically similar to your personality, which, yeah, when you first begin to uncover that sort of stuff, um, you really get annoyed with your, <laughs> like you really get irritated because you're like, no, but I got a new thing. I, this is a, this is totally different. You're not going to believe what happened. I've never told you this before. And then it's like, no, you, you definitely told me that when you told me about how you make a sandwich. You make a sandwich <laughs> with the same process that you, you know, you leave work or whatever. So it, it's, yeah, it's, it, it becomes frustrating to know that you're that generalized in your personality. Hmm. And do you see more of one than the other? I mean, it strikes me that like, I don't know. Depends on gender, usually. Um, it, it's, this is tricky. I imagine right? men are like more externalizers. Anecdotally, 
Actually, men are more internalizers. Really? Um, yeah. I yeah. thought they would be men more apt more to blame other people for things. Well, that might, yeah, yeah, that might happen. Sure, sure. But men tend to be more, um, they call like, you know, obsessional, like not in touch with their emotions. Um, so like they're more disconnected. And because if mm. they're more disconnected, then they're seeing it from their perspective all the time, which again, doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that they won't externalize. Um, but it's it's more of like a, if you tend to be more relationally interested, let's say you may have a tendency. If there was a, um, I, well, how do you how do you call this? Like a hiccup <laughs> in in your psychology that you would be externalizing. So, uh, uh, women in general are more likely, more often externalizers. Men in general hmm. are more likely internalizers. But when I say in general, I don't mean like 90%, 10%. I mean like, I don't know, fucking 60, 40. Okay. It's not, it's not crazy. Like it's not some crazy sort of split. Yeah. That's interesting though. So. And but I guess then on the whole, you're saying, assuming you see an even split of men and women, Generally, then you have kind of an even split of externalizers and internalizers. <laughs> it depends on stage. It depends on many yeah. things. But, okay, cultural, but yeah, cultural I guess factors. I, age. I was curious yeah, yeah. if just generally you saw like more people are being sent there by somebody else, um, being told that they need to have you know these conversations with somebody to get that outside perspective, and they're at least like receptive to it enough where they begrudgingly go and do it. Or are there like people that are like, I know I have a problem. I know that I need somebody's help from the outside. Um, you know, can you help would, me through that? I would say my the distribution of people I see are pretty even. And I think in some ways, sadly, this happens because of like therapists' interest. So like everybody else, I have to do work that's interesting to me. And it may <laughs> like I think sometimes, you know, it's like if if someone contacts me and I, I may have an opening for them and I have like too many of one type of not again I'm oversimplifying the shit out of this when I say too many of one type because it's way more complicated but let's say I don't know am I the people that I see are t are too similar to this new one that's coming along it, it it gets exhausting after a while so I might just refer them someplace else and then like when the distribution of my people change but in general man like the whole thing with this like going back to the very very beginning piece of what you asked is like humans need connection in even when you're when you're trying to measure change, uh, the most common denominator, to the extent that you can do hard research in psychology, which is why it gets a lot of criticism, and I understand I understand why the field gets a lot of criticism, but to the extent that you can do hard research, the common denominator for therapeutic effectiveness is the therapeutic relationship. So regardless of what you're saying, what you're doing, how you're, I mean, given you're not being abusive in session with people or whatever. Um, so regardless of if you're using insight, if you, whatever you're doing, um, the, the, the common denominator, the most effective, measurable, consistent piece is always the therapeutic relationship creates change, which is why it's like going back to the beginning question, humans need connection and uh, living the way we live doesn't allow for that and i almost feel like the therapeutic relationship i don't know it gets respected as like oh yeah go yeah he needs to get connection here go get it sorted we'll allow for him to leave work so he can go get it sorted and get some connection you know and have some intimacy and talk through some difficult things and you know 
that to me is is really what it is like we've become inhuman because we just fucking work a lot like we just we're interested in i don't know we're just working and we're told that we should have more stuff and it keeps us from the relationships that we you know develop in our family systems and it creates you know other external systems that are gratifying but yeah that's what i guess part of what i was curious about too is if you see kind of that Per that type of person more often than not, like the workaholic or the person who's just so busy doing, you know, th- maybe things for other people that they don't have time for themselves to kind of think about what it is that's bothering them. And, and you know, they don't have like a big family around all day, every day to kind of have like micro interactions about what may be more trivial things, but that has like kind of a, a greater effect in the grand scheme of how they develop versus the person who's just, you know, in it all day every day can't take a step back um and doesn't have that means of like interacting with somebody else with regularity right like it strikes me that before there was formal you know psychotherapy and people had health insurance and could just go do this if they decided to um you know did did we was there just other outlets for this right like i don't know you go to the barber and you talk about shit Mm -hmm. you go to like yeah. The, the mechanic and you talk about shit you have friends and you hang out and grab a beer and you talk about shit so i mean the, this is like a relatively new thing and in, in the timeline right i mean going to a professional to help you kind of dig into that and maybe they can do a lot more in, in an hour um but th- that's kind of a sterile solution to some extent than like the way that we probably get that all the time in like micro doses right yeah, you're, the, the sterility being like doing it in a... That's the objective, right? It's like, you're going to come see me for an hour and we're going to try to get through mm-hmm. this. And then, you know, the hour ends and then we're going to do this again next week. Versus I might go, you know, to a friend or a family member uh, as the opportunity arises. And we might talk for five seconds. We might talk for five hours. But I'm kind of getting that ad hoc. And that's what that's one way of handling it. Right. But now in these lives that we lead <clears throat> that are so busy... Um, and everything is scheduled. I've got to have a go-to meeting for every half hour of my day, Monday through Friday. Um, you know, now I can I can break off a piece of an hour with somebody who can just laser focus on trying to help me identify that problem and, and fix it. I mean, r- really just help me have a relationship with, with, you know, where they're just having a relationship with me. Like, you know, you and I call each other, right? And like, you'll tell me about all your stuff and I'll tell you about all my stuff and you'll tell me about all your stuff and I'll tell you about all my stuff. So we're like taking turns, like listening and being gratified. We're, if you're, you know, doing psychotherapy, um, there's very little primary, I don't mean this is like a bad thing. There's very little primary gratification for the therapist. Like I'm not in there like fucking around and talking like it's not, it's not about me getting what I need in there. Right. So it's like you, I need to give you the space so that you can explore to get what you need. And I have to help you get what you need. And yeah, it, it's very different. So I do think that those, the reason why the barber feels like a therapist or the bartender feels like a therapist is because they're being, like people are going there for service, you know, and the barber's helping them and listening to them and taking care of their hair or, or face or whatever. And same thing at the bar. So I do think those two, I'm not suggesting is <laughs> a replacement. Um, because obviously there's, you know, other skills associated with those, with, with doing psychotherapy versus those. But the reason why those things feel that way or why people feel so connected to their fucking barber or their bartender or whatever is because that person listened to them and took care of them. They didn't, 
give them the tools, let's say, to, I don't know, how, how to talk to their wife or how to talk to their kids or how to deal with this feeling that they're having. But they, they felt connected during that amount of time. And that amount of time felt therapeutic because they felt connected. So in general, uh, the fact that we need to supplement connection with psychotherapy is kind of, you know, and I'm in the field, right? So I'm fucking, I would have interest in it continuing, but it's kind of, it's, it's a little bizarre, you know, it's a little bizarre because when you do boil it down into the research and again, research is tricky in this field and I don't know if it will ever get better. We can analyze more complicated variables altogether, but the thing that's most occurring that creates the most change is just the damn relationship itself. (laughs) So we're lacking this and we're supplementing it, you know, and, you know, insurance companies are, you know, seeing, obviously they, they may not view it that way. They may not label it the same way. It's, it's a specific procedure that's happening there. But even within that specific procedure, most of the change is coming from the relationship. Forget about the insight. That's, that's happening too. But the majority of the change is just coming from the relationship. <clears throat> so yeah, we're missing that. And I think that all these additional implementations like now it's technology like before in the industrialized world uh you know during the industrial revolution perhaps we worked more we we, everyone became more production efficient and that took people away from their relationships um in the agricultural world you know that had its own it's hard work but then you know you stay there's downtime during off seasons when you're just with your people all the time so you're having those relationships and now we're like in the tech world where we don't like anything that we're manufacturing. It's just like toys. We're just playing with toys, really, in my opinion. So we're all like working just to fucking have more toys and play with more toys, and we're inventing more toys, and it creates this disconnect. So like the, the newest, based on younger people that I work with, disconnect or psychological difficulties that they're gonna have. Our disconnects coming from over reliant. You know the shit that I, I always beat the dead horse on. Um, their over-reliance on, on uh, technology to, for, to, to facilitate or to supplement uh, human connection, which it's not a full picture. So that's like why everyone's angsty and disconnected and suicidal. And Yeah, and it also strikes me that up. it's like less, I mean, in addition to all these things happening, like the Industrial Revolution and technology and we're, you know, in our connection via the internet now, we're less physically connected and less having these micro interactions with you know people in our lives, and so we we kind of need to like lean on professionals more. But also, it seems like it's becoming less stigmatized as well. Like I feel like even in our lifetimes, you know, mm-hmm. it was like oh you got to go see a therapist. Like that was there was a stigma about that. Now I feel like it's just so accepted that you know it's not necessarily a bad thing and that the way that life has changed because we're not getting these other inputs um externally all the time that like it's not a big deal like i I, if somebody tells me they go to therapy like twice a week i'm not like oh you're like fucked you know it's just yeah why not and and sometimes i'm like you should shit should i go you know it's not about i think for me like there's not some sort of smoking gun that i'm like this is a problem i need to break through but it's like also, you don't know what you don't know, and it would be interesting mm-hmm. to just put all the cards out on the table sometimes and see if there's something that you know I need to focus on taking a, a weight off my shoulders or like not worrying about something as much as maybe I do. And, and um, I don't see anything wrong with that, you know. Whereas I think 50 years ago, 
if you were doing that, you might have been looked at differently. Yeah. And, you know, I'm biased because I'm in the field. Okay. So keep that in mind. But um, I, I think, sure, you know, when people come into the office, there's definitely like cracks in their foundation they need to get fixed or their roof's leaking and that needs to get fixed too. Um, and those are, you know, big structural components that need to get worked out. But after those things get worked out, it's like, okay, well, we still got it. We got to clean the gutters all the time. You know, we got to We got to dust all the time. We got to whatever you do in a house. I don't know, bro. You got to fucking <laughs> cut the grass all the time. Like there's a, my analogy went off the rails. <laughs> yeah. You have to dig holes all the time, but the, there's all this, you know, like mental maintenance that has to happen all the time. It just, it, it needs, I'm not saying you have to do it in psychotherapy. Um, I think there are many different avenues but the psychotherapy kind of holds you accountable of, hey, I'll see you at that time, huh? We're going to be fucking clearing out the gutters, yeah? Right. Like, that's, that's kind of, it's a kind of the commitment to doing that. And obviously, okay, we're trained, yeah? So, I don't know, we're more efficient, let's say. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're, <clears throat> we're making a commitment to doing that maintenance all the time, which I think is, like you said, there's no smoking gun issue, perhaps, but... Okay, well, if I don't fucking clear the gutters out, there might be like, there there's going to be a smoking yeah. gun issue coming, bro. Yeah, like right. it's headed your way. Yeah, so my th- you know my bias is yeah, it's useful for everybody, and I don't mean it. Self reflecting is useful to everybody, mm. whether you do it through psychotherapy or through meditation or through journaling or through I don't know, however, whatever way you find it, where you can genuinely. Be really fucking honest with yourself. Look in the mirror, however you decide to do that, and look at all the uncomfortable pieces. Um, I feel like it's it's necessity. I feel like it, it, it specifically, perhaps if there's an edge to the psychotherapy versus like the meditation or some other things, it's happening in a relationship. So there's there's a connectedness that's existing um, that doesn't exist in independent self-reflection. And because most of the difficulties come from um, our experiences of relationships that have existed throughout our personality, you have an opportunity to have a new relationship with someone where the therapist will be aware that you're doing that with them to like having a relationship with them in the ways that you have difficult relationships, other places. And that's like the additional piece to it outside of the insight, perhaps where you can have a relationship that helps fix the foundation a little better. And then you can take that with you and like you can help other people fix their foundation or, or whatever it is. So yeah, I think that's, that's maybe the more, I don't know, the difference between me and the bartender <laughs> or me and the, me and the guy cutting your hair or whatever. But there definitely needs to be a moment, regardless if you're doing it with yourself or with somebody else where you sit down and reflect and think about like what gives meaning what you're doing to impede on that meaning, what gives connection, how, yeah, how you're, you know, what are you doing to improve your connectedness to the world? What are you doing that's getting in your way of connectedness in the world, you know? But it is hard to do by yourself. And one thing I wanted to circle back to the, you kind of touched Mm -hmm. on a few times, and maybe this is a a good way to bring it full circle, but, you know, you mentioned that people are coming in, like, it's not gratifying for you as sort of the person who has to, like, listen, feel this, and start to kind of sift through it and identify. It's not directly gratifying. Right, right. It's it's like secondarily. Yeah, Yeah. because you're obviously helping somebody, and that's very, I would imagine, very gratifying uh, and tangible, like, over time versus, like, the way that, you know, maybe other people's jobs, 
are. It feels are, important to me, at least. I don't know. It feels a day's work feels important, even though it's exhausting. It feels important to me. Yeah. Right, but you're you're the ultimately you're the soundboard for this person. You're kind of fielding all like this barrage of their life story and like everything that you're trying sure. to sift through to, to figure out kind of what maybe what the trigger was. And so, how do you, as the therapist, deal with this problem? yourself do you go see somebody frequently or i I don't know um but i did see someone for six years five days a week and i'm not opposed to doing that again um i feel like right now um i'm not hitting a glass ceiling um i would anticipate that i would probably hit one again in life there's no (laughs) i guess whatever i have going on right now is functioning well enough where um i feel like i'm able to just kind of clear out my own gutters right now and kind of whatever dig holes in my yard or whatever. Um, but I have no doubt, no doubt that there will be something that comes along where I hit the fucking ceiling and then for sure I will go and sort it out someplace else because you just, I don't, well, coming from bias, um, it just works better when you do, when you're sorting it out in a relationship with somebody else. But yeah, I have done it. I will do it. Um, you hit a point when you were, you, you were, in therapy with somebody and you just realized at some point that you were like, I think we're just spinning our wheels here. Like, I'm curious why you, why you stopped going. No, it's not spinning wheels. It's just like, I think I want to try to do this myself. Like the gutters yeah. were just spotless and you were like, what's the point? <laughs> and you like for now, no, they get dirty again and they get dirty again and they get dirty again. And it's like, I think I got the process. I think I have the process now. And I'm, and I, you know, like I, I appreciate the time. And I'll, I'll probably be back because it's not going to be the gutters after that. It's going to be like sweeping the chimney or I don't know, bro, my, my, my fucking <laughs> basement's going to be flooding or some bullshit. So like, I'll, I'll have to figure that out again, but it's like, I got the gutters part down. I'm good with the gutters part. I so think yeah, you should write a book finishing... where all of this is broken down <laughs> using like house maintenance analogies. <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, my own house preoccupation with house interest is, uh, is uh, making its way into my <laughs> psychotherapy analogies, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Well, yeah, but I think everybody should do it. But I'm biased. But I would def I I can't imagine that I'm just going to be smooth sailing forever. I just I, I don't know. Hard to imagine. Yeah, I don't think anybody <laughs> can really imagine that. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, anecdotally, again, this is something that I think about all the time because it's been a long, long time f- since I've gone and seen anybody professionally. And it's, you know, sometimes I think about it'd be easy to do. I, I like I, it seems like there's absolutely no downside other than, I guess, cost and, you know, time. Um, sure. But beyond <laughs> that, just having, you know, again, we're this is something that we're trying to do all the time, whether it's. Um, you know, direct or indirect or accidental or intentional, right? Like we're always kind of chatting with people and getting this, this outside viewpoint. And so I think to schedule time to ensure that you do that with regularity to identify, you know, even if it's just cracks starting to form um, is important. You know, maybe it's not some cataclysmic thing in your past that you're trying to dig up and, and deal with, but maybe it's just understanding and, and taking a step back and, getting a grip on like what your motivations are day to day and where you're headed and where you've sure. been and all that, um, that I think is yeah worth definitely worthwhile. Hey man, you're a good interviewer. And I would like to say to anyone listening to this, I had no, um, 
part in choosing this topic. So, <laughs> yeah, so I, I did I'm not ask. Good. I did not bring this up. This was Jordan's idea. But I do want to say, yeah, man, you're a pretty damn good interviewer. Oh, thanks. I, yeah. I, we prepared for this for all of five minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's. I, I think it's something that's interesting and part of like the the makeup of like why we started doing this, right? I think like your area of expertise is very different than mine not that i necessarily have an area of expertise but i think i'm interested in what you deal with and what you see on kind of a daily basis with the people that you help and um and just generally why why we need that you know and i think like that this was helpful for me to kind of get a grip on that i think the external and internal types of people like i guess that's kind of what i imagine i just didn't realize that that was how it broke down and it's interesting to hear that um Again, I'm simplifying yeah, yeah. for the sake of time, but yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you could explain this all in an hour, like, Jesus. I <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be worth much. Th- this <laughs> is going to be an 800-part <laughs> podcast series about every psychological theory in existence. Did you read that book, by the way? The one that, the, um, the one that we gave you for your wedding? No, I did not read that book yet. I'm like a yet. halfway through. It's pretty interesting. It touches on a lot of the stuff. The happiness hypothesis yeah, that is, that, is that the one you're? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I briefed it, and I'm like, "Ooh, this sounds interesting." And then reading I is put it tough, aside. man. It's you know where it is. It's on my nightstand. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else on my nightstand. It's made it. It's traveled, and it still sits there. It's on my night. Yeah, it's on, it's on my nightstand. I like keeping a book on my nightstand just in case anybody ends up in my room to be like, "Oh, this motherfucker's reading some this heavy shit." <laughs> yeah, you get like something really difficult just to keep because people there. end up in my room, you know, all the, yeah, all the time. Like it's like a contractor or something like looking at. So, yeah, he's gonna be like, "Oh shit!" You try to trick people at like when we're out of a pandemic at a cocktail party right. to stumble into your room. Oh, I didn't notice them. that was there. Yes. My encyclopedia Oops, books too yeah <laughs> uh well good interview thanks for letting me yeah you're you asked good questions thanks for letting me uh pick your brain and uh yeah i don't know i bet i think this has reignited my interest in doing this myself so i'll have to look into trying to understand my own health insurance plan to see <laughs> what kind of therapy <laughs> i might be able to get <laughs> Uh, that was your whole motivation wasn't it? right yeah this is just free therapy for me because you can't bill me for it it's a conflict of interest if there's other therapists that listen and you have a different i mean you know we encourage people to to speak but i'd be i mean i work with other colleagues but i'm you know i'm kind of you know um stuck in that world of the, of the colleagues i'm surrounded by i'd be curious to hear your thoughts or additions or criticisms or whatever i'm, I'm cool with that so if you're listening and you have any feelings about it, send them out. And okay, maybe one last thing then, because I'm interested. You sure. you mentioned that there's a million different viewpoints on this. What do you kind of are you a a student of like every one sort of possible others. one uh, possible? Uh, what's the? Here's where the real controversy is going to come along, but not to any of like the lay people. This is like <laughs> when you get field specific. What I'm going to say now is going to create a shit a shitstorm, perhaps. Um, okay, so yes, at the core, I'm psychoanalytically trained, meaning psychoanalysis is what the foundation is for me for understanding personality. Um, so I don't therapeutically do psychoanalysis strictly in psychotherapy the psychotherapy that i do is more informed by psychoanalysis 
But I feel like everyone that's a practitioner needs to know psychoanalysis so they can understand personality and development and motivators and gratifications and things like that. But they don't all need to do psychoanalysis for psychotherapy. I just think that you need to be able to use this as an assessment tool. The the therapy that you use, you have to meet people where they are. So if you're trying to do something that's too far away from where they are, I feel like you're missing the mark and you might be too loyal to the discipline that you studied in at a, at a deficit, okay? So I think that if you learn all of the major disciplines and you're using those as supplement, um, I shouldn't even say a supplement, you're using those for specific <clears throat> purposes at specific times, but you're always viewing things from a psychoanalytic lens. I feel like this is the <laughs> this is the key to being the best therapist. And I wait for the emails to, <laughs> to get fucking buried by everybody that's gonna to hammer. So okay, me but yeah, that, those are my own yeah, I need thoughts. This, in a little bit more layman, this is huge. Th- yeah, th- this one, this one's. Huge. I'm focused on um, development and subconscious motivations. Where um, there's there's you know different different facets that focus on uh, behavior more so and like reinforcing behavior or like punishing behavior and then there's other ones where there's other theories so like that's behavioral therapy yeah. and then there's cognitive behavioral therapy that suggests that thoughts influence feelings let's that's a, a simplification you guys can all hand me my ass too if you want to write to it um, and then psychoanalysis is more like feelings influence thoughts and behaviors let's say but that's that's the simplest ver- explanation and then there's a lot there's systems theories which i feel like those also you need to but understand are they mutually how a system exclusive operates. um i don't think they are i personally don't think they are okay. but some people get so entrenched in their camps um that they're like it's like the equivalent of being like racist or something or like elitist <laughs> towards whatever it really though it's like it, it's it's like tw- they're they're elitist towards whatever uh, school or camp they came out of which i feel like seems like they need to talk know, to somebody about why they're so entrenched yes I, w- I would agree with that i would agree with that what what it represents to them needs to be <laughs> discovered for sure <clears throat> this is fascinating this is potentially one of our longest episodes ever and we haven't even scratched the surface so this is a part one of our 27 part series on <laughs> psychoanalysis hey man you answered you asked good questions so I'm, I'm cool with doing it again yeah i, I think uh we'll, we'll give a shit we should read this book both of us because i have all it does <laughs> is create more questions yeah like every time i've cracked it open i've been like huh like that explain it broke things down and it it has it's it's ripe with analogies they're not house repair analogies they're like the guy <laughs> sure. like the you're riding an elephant and the elephant's partially submerged in water and like what's belief yeah i mean that's the analogy that the guy keeps coming back to um but yeah i'm interested to get your take on it it'll create more questions that i think it now you created a pressure where i have to where i have to I mean, it's Dude, fine that you Giving didn't. someone a book is such a motherfucker. Because it's like, I have to read this. I must read this. It's been Clearly sitting here for work. two years now. It did work, but it sits there. It's like it's on my brain all the time. It's on my brain all the time. So now I have to read it. Yeah. So that means I'll buy the audio version and listen to it while I'm digging holes. I might have already bought the audio book of it. I have you the, might have. I have the Tell audible. the truth. You already know. No, because I have oh, the audible yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. So like, you get the month credit every month. Mm. And I, I buy like books that I 
while I'm thinking about it, and then I forget, and then later on, I'm like, oh shit, I got that Malcolm Gladwell book. So. <laughs> we'll both listen to it before next week or some other time. Yeah, I think it's gonna take more than a week, but yeah, was it like ten hours, probably something like that? Yeah, yeah let's do it. Word. All right. That's thanks for the questions. Yeah. Thanks for letting me plug my my craft. <laughs> yeah, this is sponsored by the uh, American Association of uh, Psychotherapists. I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's a real organization. <laughs> I mean, I, it might be. I don't know of it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Excellent. Well, All right. until next time, read that book, listen to that book. <laughs> All See right, ya. take care.